Tonight, we're actually wrapping up our series, Clutch. This is, this is the third and final week of the series, Clutch. And this whole series, we've been kind of orbiting around this one central question. This is the one question this, this whole series is about, and you've probably asked it before, or at least you've thought of it before, and it's this. What do you do, what do you do when the pressure's on you? right? What do you do when the pressure is on you? And we've been talking about the game of basketball. And even though I am awful at basketball, there's some things I appreciate about basketball because basketball, almost more than any other sport, is a game of seconds, right? Things can change in an instant. And so in the game of basketball, there are these moments where all the pressure's on you, all the eyes are on you, like the crowd is on their feet and the clock is counting down. And this question comes up. And in that moment, all the pressure's on and everyone's looking. And so what do you do? What do you do when the pressure is on you? And I think in the game of basketball and also kind of in life, when the pressure is on you, there's really only two responses you can have. One is you can come through in the clutch, right? And this is what we all want. Like we all want to come through in the clutch. That's the reason we're doing this serious clutch because all of us feel the same way. We're like, man, I wish I, could, I wish I could come in clutch. That'd be great when all the pressure's on me that I do the thing that I want to do. So we all want to come in clutch, but, but there is a second option. And the other option is you could choke under pressure, right? With all, with all the pressure on you, with all the eyes are on you, you could choke under pressure. Now, here is, here's the bad news, okay? The bad news is we all want to come through in the clutch, but unfortunately, this happens way more often than this, right? Chances are you've had a moment where the pressure has been on you, and even though you wanted to come through in the clutch, you actually choked under pressure. And it's not just you. It's not just you. In fact, it happens all the time, even in professional basketball. And so when I started like looking at the YouTubes, trying to figure out if I could find some people that were choking under pressure, uh, it was not difficult for me to find. They are all over the place, these basketball fail videos. And so we put a little video montage together, uh, together of 60 seconds of basketball fails. Check it out. No good, no good. Because see, there's nothing more thrilling than coming through in the clutch. But there's nothing more devastating than choking under pressure. And I actually had a moment like this uh, close to a year ago. I was, I was invited to go over to PK's house. Now, some of you don't know who that is. Let me fill you in. PK is the senior pastor of 12 Stone Church. He's like the main, uh, the main guy, kind of the head honcho. Uh, he's awesome. He's kind of a legend, like just an unbelievable guy. And he invited me and about 15 other uh, members of, of the staff of 12 Stone over to his house. 
Okay, so you talk about pressure, you know, going over to his house. It's like my boss's 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 boss, and I'm invited to his house, and so I'm feeling the pressure. Um, so, anyways, we're there, and uh, we go down to to his basement, and you know, there's some games that are kind of laid out, and I see ping pong over there, and then I see a foosball table, and I'm like, well, you know, I'm. I'm actually pretty good at foosball. Yeah, I mean, again, I don't mean to brag, but like I'm not half bad. And so I, uh, so I went over to the foosball table, and then I found a good buddy of mine. His name is John. And uh, John actually went to, well, me and John both, went to the University of Georgia. Wow, that was sad. I wanted more. Thank you. UGA, thank you. Okay, good. So we, uh, so we both went to UGA. And look, 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 I don't want to say that everything that comes out of UGA is incredible, but we are. So anyways, it's me and John, and I'm like, hey, man, let's play some foosball. And so it's the two of us on a team. And, uh, and so then we find two other people, and we're like, hey, do you, do you guys want to play just, you know, friendly game of foosball? So we line up, and, um, and we play them in a game of foosball, and... Uh, we destroyed them. It like, it like wasn't even a competition, right? Like, like I kind of felt bad for them. I was like, have you ever played this game? Oh my gosh, this is so sad. I'm so sorry. Thank you. Come again. We'll talk to you later. And so then we had two other people come challenge us because, you know, winner stays. And so we're there at the foosball table and we destroyed them too. It like wasn't even a competition. And so the next two people line up and they play us and we're like, we're dominating left and right. I'm telling you, we are on a winning streak. And the more we win, the more confident we get. And we're like, dude, we are unstoppable right now. And sure enough, person after person after person comes to play us and we beat them. And, and not just beat them a little bit. I mean, we like, we just single-handedly destroyed all of the competition. So we're feeling pretty good. And then... The man himself, PK, comes strolling up, and he goes, uh, you mind if I play y'all? And I'm like, not at all. And so PK and this other pastor uh, uh, decide to square off against us. And you talk about a moment of pressure, right? This is, this is like the PK, and he's challenging us. And so this is my moment to prove to him that I'm like an amazing pastor because I beat him in a game of foosball, right? Like this is, this is it. And so, you know, I line up, and we're ready, and John and I look at each other, you know. And like palms are sweaty, you know, knees weak, arms are heavy, right? Like we're... I'm just kidding. Okay, so we're lined up, and I'm like, we are, we're going to do this thing. I'm so excited. I can't wait. We're on a winning streak. You know what happened? Lost. Oh, we lost bad. I mean, it was like not even a competition. In fact, I think he felt bad for us because, and this is not a joke, uh, our team uh, only had one point to our name, and they beat us, and that one point was actually accidentally scored by PK. Okay, so he scored all the points. That's how bad we were, and so this is the moment of pressure. All the eyes were on us. Everyone was watching. I'm telling you, this was like my moment to prove myself, and I choked. I choked under pressure, right? And this happens. I mean, this happens, and it's, it's not just in the game of foosball. It's also in life, too, right? Like, there's moments when you feel the pressure, and maybe for you, you're feeling the pressure at school right now, or maybe you're feeling the pressure from your friends because they want you to do something that you know you shouldn't do, and you've already promised yourself, I'm not going to do that anymore, but your friends come up to you and all of them are doing it, and so you're feeling the pressure. And so what do you do in that moment? And maybe for many of you, you want to come in clutch, you want to make the right decision, but in that moment of pressure, you choke. 
and you back out, and even though you really wanted to, you mess up. Or maybe it's with a girlfriend, with a boyfriend, and you know you're not supposed to go that far, but you're feeling the pressure, and even though you've promised, and you've prayed, and I really want to, and I really don't want to, but then you mess up in that moment of pressure. And so the question I want to talk about tonight is this, what do you do when you didn't come through? I mean, all of us want to be clutch, right? Like we all want to come in clutch, but what do you do when you didn't come through? What happens when you really wanted to come through, but you messed up? In other words, how do you move forward when you've fallen back? Back into the sins that you swore you'd never commit? Back into the temptations that you thought you had conquered? Back into the lifestyle that you thought you'd given up? Back into the lifestyle that made you sad in the first place? What do you do? What do you do when you didn't come through? And so to answer this question, I actually want to look at the story of a guy who had all the pressure on him, all the eyes on him, and he choked when the stakes were high. And so we're going to look at this story together. It's found in Matthew chapter 14. So do this. Go ahead. Grab your Bibles. They should be right close to you. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 14. And this is on page 981. Page 981. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 14. And the story that we're going after is a story of a guy that maybe you've heard of, especially if you've grown up in church. It's a story of a guy named Peter. Named Peter. Now, Peter... Peter was a follower of Jesus. Wherever Jesus went, you know, he went. And uh, do you know what they called the followers of Jesus? You guys know? Yeah, disciple, right? And uh, Jesus didn't just have one disciple. He had 12, right? He had 12 disciples. So I think, I think if Jesus... I think if Jesus had a basketball team, it would probably be like the 12 disciples, right? Like this would be his team. This would be, you know, his crew. This is, this is what he would go to bat with, is these 12 disciples. And just like any other team, you know, on, on every team, you got guys that warm the bench, right? That's all they do. They're not really that good. And then, then you got guys that are all stars, guys that you always pass the ball to, guys that always come in clutch. And Peter... Well, Peter was an all-star. In fact, we find out that there were three guys that were kind of the all-stars of Team Jesus. See, because Jesus would often invite these three guys, Peter, James, and John, and he would take them on like secret missions to do things that he didn't invite the other disciples to do because this was the all-star crew. In fact, Peter is, is, is a guy that came in clutch over and over again, and there's a story of uh, when he actually came in clutch. See, Jesus had gathered up all the disciples, they're all gathered around him. And Jesus asks him what I think is a pretty simple question. He looks at him and he says, hey, real quick, who do you think I am? Who do you think, like, who do you think I am? And all the disciples were silent because they didn't want to mess up, right? They didn't want to, they didn't want to say the wrong thing. They were afraid to speak up. But Peter, well, <laughs> Peter's an all-star. He's a guy that comes in clutch. And so he stood up and all the eyes are on him and all the pressure's on him. And he looks at Jesus and he says, I think, I think you're the Christ, the Messiah, son of the living God. And then there was a pause. And everyone's wondering, did he, did he get it right? Did he say the right thing? Like, is that what Jesus was looking for? And Jesus looks at him and says, you're absolutely right. See, Peter in this moment, man, he came in clutch, and that's what he did over and over again. 
Well, there was this one particular uh, occasion where Jesus did something pretty, pretty unbelievable. Um, he, he had just finished teaching and there were lots of people and he, he, he was so good at teaching that people literally listened to him all day long. In fact, it was so long that they didn't eat breakfast, lunch, or dinner. So literally they were like starving, super hungry. And, uh, and so then Jesus has an idea and he looks over and he sees a kid and it's just a kid and the kid brought a sack lunch. And so he goes over to that kid. He's like, hey, real quick, can I have that? Thank you. And then he takes it, okay? So he steals the sack lunch from this little kid, to which I think the kid's like, what? I was going to eat it, you know? And so he takes it, and then he's like, trust me, this is going to be good. So he takes it, and then with that little sack lunch, he feeds 5,000 people. 5,000 people with one sack lunch. Unbelievable. And, and, then, and then it tells us that at the end of the meal, they actually collected baskets of what was left over, and it was more than the original sack lunch. So he gave it to him, and he's like, there's your sack lunch. Boom, right? Like, that's so unbelievable. All these people, 5,000 people were fed. More was collected than what he originally started with. And as you can imagine, Jesus got crazy popular. And you know why, right? Because it's food. Come on, man. If you're going to like perform miracles on food, if you can be Jesus, the great multiplier of food, I'm with you. You know what I'm saying? Like that is incredible. Like Jesus, um, my parents want me to eat this broccoli. Can you do your like Jesus magic thing and turn it into pizza? Because I heard you're awesome with food. Can you do that for me? Like, please. Right. Or like, hey, I stole this like hot wing from one of my friends and we'll talk about stealing later, but um, I stole it from him. Can you turn it into 12? Can you do that? Right. Like Jesus, man, I'm with you. Wherever you go, you're the great multiplier of food. And so Jesus got crazy popular because just like you and just like me, people love food. And then Jesus does something so strange. In the height of his popularity, Matthew writes this. Immediately, oh, it's there. Immediately, Jesus, so right after this happened, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat, go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. In other words, he looks at his disciples. He's like, hey, guys, go ahead, go to the boat. Hey, everyone, thanks so much for coming. Uh, the buffet is actually closed, so sorry, we're done here. Uh, Costco is all out of free samples. Have to come back later. So we'll talk to you later. Thanks so much for coming. And he gets rid of everyone. Disciples head to the boat. Everyone else just kind of head off. That's crazy. In the height of his popularity, he sends everyone away. And then he does this. After he dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray by himself. Now, now, now this is strange because uh, if I was Jesus, um, and let's thank God that I'm not, okay, because that wouldn't be good for anyone, okay? But if I was Jesus and I just did that incredible thing, I would have gathered up all my disciples and been like, hey, real quick, real quick, how cool was that? You remember that kid? He was so worried because I stole his lunch and he was like, what's he going to do? And then I fed all those people and then I was like, there's your lunch. You remember his eyes? They got so big. How cool was that? But Jesus didn't do that. Instead, he went up on a mountain by himself. He looks at his heavenly father. He goes, dad, how cool was that? Remember when you fed them? They were hungry. You did that. It's just awesome. I think, that's a, I think that's a neat, neat moment that we capture in the life of Jesus. Now, meanwhile, while, while Jesus is praying, the rest of the disciples, right, they were dismissed, and they got in this boat, and they're just kind of hanging out on the lake. And again, if I, was, if I was one of the disciples, and I just saw Jesus feed 5,000 people, I think I'm going to be pretty, like, kind of amazed, and it's probably going to come up more than once in conversation. Like, dude, that was, 
There were 5,000, like Jesus did that. That's unbelievable, you know, and so they're just talking more and more about Jesus. And while they're out there on the late talking about Jesus, this is what Matthew writes. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. Now, um, Matthew kind of writes that casually, right? He's like, I don't know, 6 a.m. or something. Anyways, Jesus walked on the lake. But I'm reading that, and I'm like, he was walking on the lake, like on top of the lake. Isn't that, like, unbelievable? Okay, you're not impressed. Okay, so... um, so, so when I was like eight, I used to go over to my friend's house and uh, he had a pool in his backyard and we used to play this game. I don't know if you've ever played it. It's pretty fun. Uh, if you haven't played it, then I don't know if you really lived. So um, uh, we would get up to the edge of the pool and then the goal was how many steps can you take on the water before you sink down? You know what I'm talking about, right? And if you get two steps, it's like you're not even trying. Come on, grow up, right? Uh, and then if you get three steps, it's like... That's pretty good. That's pretty good. And if you get four steps, it's like mind blown. That's so good. Well, Jesus comes out and he does this. He goes one, two, three, four, five, right? And he's just walking and he's walking on top of the water, on top of the water. You talk about people like in water, but he's on top of the water. And then Matthew continues, says when the disciples saw him, and then in case you forgot, walking on the lake, that's a big deal. He's walking on the lake. They were terrified. No joke. I've never seen that before. I don't know if you have. I haven't. So they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said. And they cried out in fear. And I'm sure one of them was like, Jesus gave us some weird food because we're seeing stuff right now, right? Like what is happening right there? They didn't even know it was Jesus. They just thought it was a ghost. And so they're looking out and they're terrified and they're afraid and they're calling to one another. And then immediately, Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. Now, I love this because this verse is evidence that God doesn't want you to be afraid. Because see, the moment they were afraid, immediately Jesus said, hey, 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 it's me. It's me. Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Now, I think at this point, Jesus has the undivided attention of his disciples, right? I mean, he just fed 5,000 people with a sack lunch And then he's just skating on top of the water like it's nothing. And so I think there were some people in the boat that are looking at Jesus and they're watching him do all these incredible things and they're watching him do this right in front of them and they're like, I'm in. (laughs) I'm in, Jesus. Whatever you say, I'm going to do. Because anyone that can feed that many people and anyone that can walk on water and defy gravity and defy the laws of physics, whatever you say, I'm in. Jesus, I am in. This is unbelievable. I can't believe you're actually doing this, but I am in. Whatever you say, wherever you lead, I'm going to go. And many of you, many of you in this room, you've had a moment like that. Maybe it's been at M12. Maybe it's been like on a Sunday morning. Maybe it's been at this church. Maybe it's been another church. Maybe it's been in your own room as you've been reading scripture that you're blown away that the God of the universe would actually love you this much. And in those moments, you look at God and say, God, I'm in. God, whatever you want me to do, I don't even care what the question is. I'm going after it. I'm going to chase after you. Whatever you want me to do, I will follow. And I think, I think that's what Peter did. I think at this point, Peter's looking at Jesus and he's like, I'm convinced, man. If you're going to, if you can feed that many people and you can do something this incredible, God, I'm in whatever you want me to do. And so he speaks up and he says this. 
Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Oh, no, he didn't, the other disciples said. I'm just kidding. That's actually not in scripture. I made it up because that's what I would have said, right? If Peter was like, tell me to come walk on the water, I'd be like, what? What? Are you for real? Okay, whatever, Peter, right? Uh, and And so he says, man, Jesus, tell me to come up on the water. And this is what Jesus says. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. I mean, you talk about a moment when all the eyes are on you. You think the disciples were watching Peter? (laughs) You think Jesus was watching Peter? You think Peter had the undivided attention? I mean, I'm talking like the countdown clock is counting down. The crowd is on their feet. All the pressure's on you. All the eyes are on you. And the big question is, what do you do? Peter, what are you going to do? Are you going to come through in the clutch? Or are you going to choke under pressure? And this is what happens. But when Peter saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink. So all the eyes are on him. All the pressure's on him. And he chokes. And he backs out. He says, God, I was, I was so sure I was going to follow you. I was going to do whatever you wanted me to do, but I didn't, I didn't know there'd be waves. I didn't, I didn't know it'd be like this. And the pressure is on. And he begins to sink. And I'm sure one of the thoughts in his head was, man, all my friends are on the boat. I let my friends down. They wanted me to walk on the water. I let them down. I wanted to walk on water. I let myself down. Jesus is right there. I probably let him down. I let God down. And a lot of times that's what happens, right? Like in the moment of pressure, when you mess up, when you give in to that temptation, when you give in to the peer pressure, you look at it and you're like, I just, I just let everyone down. I let my friends down. I let my family down. I let God down. I, I let myself down. I was supposed to come through in the clutch and then I choked under pressure. And what Peter does next is extraordinary because he doesn't stay there in this, I let everyone down. Instead, as he's sinking, it says, beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Now, this is incredible because the very one that he disappointed was Jesus right in front of him. And he's looking at the one he disappointed and he says, God, I need help. God, would you be the one that helps me? Now, notice what he doesn't do. He doesn't look back at his friends and say, guys, guys, I'm sinking. Toss me a rope. Come on. Don't you see I'm sinking? Could you help? Don't you? Come on. I'm sinking down. This is for real. I need your help. Toss me a rope. Would you paddle over this way? I need you to help me. Nor, nor does he try to just like tread water on his own, right? Because come on, it's Peter. He swam before. Why doesn't he just try to start swimming on his own? Just managing his sinking. Just as long as, I, as long as I keep my head above the water, then I'll be fine. And so I'm just going to keep swimming. But he doesn't do that. He doesn't reach out to his friends. He doesn't try to do it on his own. He reaches out to the very one that he is disappointed, the very one that he's less, uh, let down, and he asked Jesus for help. Because, because, 
The most difficult time to ask for help is the moment you need it most. And Peter could have tried to just stay in the water and let me just, let me just kind of float here for a little bit. Let me, let me clean up my life. Let me make sure that everything is good. Let me try to manage my temptations. Let me try to do this on my own. And then, then I'll cry out to Jesus for help. That's not what he does. He starts sinking and immediately cries out, God, would you save me? And this is true for you. The most difficult time, the time when you don't want to ask God for help is the time that you need to do that most. And if I had to guess, for some of you in the room, you've never asked God for help because you were afraid of what he was going to say when you asked because you didn't know how he was going to respond. Well, I want to show you how he responds. The next verse says immediately. <laughs> and if, man, if I could, if I could like highlight a verse or highlight a word for you, if I could make it like big font, bold, put it on a pedestal, make it all about this one word, it would be this word immediately, immediately. There's no delay. He cries out to Jesus for help. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and he caught him. As soon as he cried out for help, Jesus helped him. <laughs> Notice what Jesus didn't do. Jesus didn't say, oh, now you want some help. Okay. No, 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 I see that. Hey, why don't you try to keep managing things on your own? And then once you've learned your lesson, I'll help you. He doesn't do that. It's immediate. Immediately. It's not, hey, I help you, but real quick, do you promise to never again mess up because you sank and I can't have you sinking anymore, okay? Do you promise you're never going to sink again? No, he doesn't do that. Immediately, he reaches out his hand. He doesn't say, now, now have you learned your lesson? Can you tell me what you've done wrong, okay? Because once you tell me what you've done wrong, then I'll help. No, it's immediate. It's not like, hey, real quick, I know you're sinking, sorry. Uh, I've got this contract I need you to sign that says you'll never again mess up, okay? Because I just, you know, and, and it's weird because you're sinking, so I'll go down with you, okay? Can you sign that? No. No, it's immediate. The moment he asks God for help, Jesus reaches out his hand. See, God, God offers his hand as soon as we ask for his help. The moment you ask for his help, Jesus reaches out his hand. There is no delay. There's no pause. There's no, have you learned your lesson? There's no, do you promise to never again? No, it's as soon as you ask for his help. Jesus reaches out his hand. And I think for some of you right now, for some of you, you're sinking. And you're sinking in your sin and in your regret and in the decisions that you, you wish you didn't make because in the moment of pressure you messed up and now for many of you it's like you're treading water <laughs> and you're trying to keep your head above the water and you're trying to just do things on your own because I messed up you know and, and, and I mess up and I need to prove to God that I'm good I need to clean up my life first because I already messed up and I, I just need to do things on my own and then once I, once I tread water for a little bit once I just keep my head above the water just for a little bit then I'm going to reach out to Jesus then I'm going to ask God for help that's not what Peter does the moment he starts sinking the moment he chokes under pressure he looks at the God that he is disappointed and says God would you help me 
what he finds is that Jesus reaches out his hand. He stretches out his hand. And many of you have no idea that the God of everything has a hand stretched out for you. See, because 2,000 years ago, Jesus proved his love for you. And he didn't just stretch out one hand. He stretched out both hands to you. And he was crucified and he bled and he suffered and he died because we were the ones that messed up. Because we were the ones that were sinking. Because we were the ones that made bad decisions. Because we were the ones that choked under pressure. And all the penalty of that sin and all of the consequence of what we actually deserved, Jesus took on himself because he loves you that much. Jesus stretched out both hands. And now he offers you his hand. Immediately. And there's some of you in the room that you, you have a relationship with God. And you remember what it was like when you first accepted Christ as your Savior. You remember how good it felt to, be, to feel forgiven by God because of everything that he's done. But ever since that moment, you've been trying to just tread water on your own. And you've forgotten that Jesus, the very one that died for you, is the one that still has his hand out for you. And you don't have to try and do this alone. That the moment you need help, you just ask for it. And Jesus reaches out his hand to you. But there's some of you in the room that you've never asked God for help. You've never asked God to save you. And right now, if that's you, I want to give you a moment to do that for the very first time. And so here's what I want all of us to do. Can everyone close your eyes and just, just put your head down, just bow your head? And again, if you've already had a moment where you've accepted Jesus as your Savior, you've already cried out to Him and said, save me, you've already had a moment or you've said yes to Jesus, then, then, then this is a great time for you to just thank God for what he's done and how he's forgiven you. But this moment is not for you. Rather, this moment that we're about to have is a moment for those of you that have never said yes to Jesus. You've never accepted Jesus as your savior. You've never said, God, would you help? God, would you save me? And maybe you've never asked God because you were afraid of what he was going to say and you had no idea that the entire time the God of the universe has his hands outstretched for you. And so if that's you and you've never accepted Christ as your savior and you want to do that tonight, I want to lead you in a prayer. And so I'm going to pray this out loud and if that's you, would you just repeat this silently in your head? God, I'm sorry because I've messed up. And I don't deserve to be forgiven. And I'm sinking in my sin. But I believe that because you died for me and stretched out both of your hands, I can be forgiven. So God, I ask you to save me. I believe that Jesus died was buried and was resurrected again so that I can have new life. And now I've committed to following after you. <laughs>